Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. This is episode 97, part two of my conversation with the brilliantly artistic, wildly charismatic, and genuinely hilarious event designer, Jen Stone. So sit back and enjoy, and as usual, I will see you on the other side. As a designer, what's the next step? Flowers, lighting, linens? Linens and fabric. The reason I say fabric is the Mandarin, for example. It's a very elegant room. Mm -hmm. and the view is like parallel. It's very New York night skyline feeling. It's spectacular the room. Sometimes the room is not big enough for two thirds and too big for three pieces. So it's a guess count and a mathematical equation. So we need to cut off that last piece a little or sometimes we use the third piece as is with the air wall but we don't like the look of the folding wall and we want to bring the colors of the wedding you know let it maybe it's a matte golden fabric that covers the air wall and makes it feel like it's a little bit more formal or maybe it's a turquoise and purple bar mitzvah you know this is her imitation and we did some <laughs> cool panels and you know uneven stripes of that and we do white furniture with pillows that match you know like we bring the colors of this bar mitzvah into the feeling so uh, that's fabric and then the linens get repeated in the same way we might use the same colors but different texture of the fabric so we it feels a little bit more solid and heavy what makes a quality linen as opposed to well, a tablecloth, <laughs> you know, a picnic. Well, tablecloth and a linen are really the same. It, you know, okay. I don't know why the word is, it, the word is really interchangeable in my mind. So linen itself is linen, which is a, a woven, soft, mm. very dear kind of fabric. And that is, you know, very summery, but also quite expensive. You know, in the old days before the price of silk has gone up over the last 15 years, but we used to use silk dupioni, like it was going out of style. And they had, you know, Ruth Fischel, who's no longer with us, but she was interesting and a, a character in the linen business. And she had these fabulous, like the first person had like two-tone silk dupioni cloths that we would use some on this waft and some on this weave. And what does silk dupioni mean? Silk dupioni is like a type of silk with like a little bit of a shantungy kind of nubbiness to it. So it has some texture, some sheen, very formal looking. And it sometimes holds two colors the way it's oh. built you have two colors within it i mean you can do this also with satin and cottons i think have that too but it's two different fabrics though right but i mean in the silk itself you would have two colors and the way it was bent or sewn or flipped over on which side it would show a different tone oh okay i don't really know how the how it happened it just did yeah yeah it would be like a smoky blue and a coppery orange woven together and you know when it had this great just multifaceted. So that would dictate, hmm, maybe we have like these creamy flowers with touches of blue and touches of apricot because it's all sort of in the fabric. So in that case, the linen would come first? Sometimes you have a person who's in fashion or something and fabric means more, or they know oh, right. they, a lot of parties and they're like, I love this fabric. But usually it's the flowers and then we find the perfect fabric within the perfect budget, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. Like, I'm not going to show them a, you know, a $250 linen if I can get a similar feeling in a faux silk or a satin or a something for $95. But, you know, I may say we got to have this fabric on like a napkin band or a, an edge of the escort table. And, you know, something that 
really brings uh, you know an elevated detail to the event. But usually we try and piece it together beginning with the color scheme, the room, the layout, the flowers, you know, it's all. And then- That's yeah, fascinating what you were saying about the, like, like the wrapping of the, the silverware. Mm -hmm. Those are roll-ups, but it's more like the wrapping of a napkin. Like a napkin in itself became a way, like let's say we were using very plain cotton linens that were like mm -hmm. a neutral, a taupe. We had rented really fabulous water goblets that were like cut amber glass or something. And then we wanted a napkin that would be sort of the tie that binds, you know, like, uh, you know, a cool fabric that people, wow, what is that? And they touch it and it feels good. And they're not going to really concentrate on the fact that the linen is taking a back of house, less important backseat to these beautiful flowers, this beautiful glassware and this incredible napkin. So if we know we have X amount of money to spend and we know we want the details to pop out, sometimes we try and balance it by doing that. A lot of it has to do with the details to make something larger pop. And make it like, oh, we haven't seen this before. Like you go to certain hotels, like the St. Regis happens to have incredible napkins. I think they're actually frette or something, you know. So mm -hmm. I always say like, well, let's not mess with that. You know, we know we're starting with a <laughs> yeah. frette napkin and they actually have these for house linens and these linens happen to look great in the room. So we can take that off the table and put in a beautiful charger. Oh, okay. So they don't have to really spend any cool. money on. Exactly. Yeah. So if we go to another place, like, you know, maybe it's another hotel that I haven't worked out as much, but they have more like uh, overused linen where it, you know, it shrinks when it's washed and it doesn't always hit the ground. You know, it might have a couple different shades of acru. Some are polyester, a little bit <laughs> more cotton. Like I'd say to them, you know what, let's, let's rent, even if we're going down this neutral way, like let's rent like three shades of, of this version of taupe in a, in a Bengaline, let's say. And then we have that way with 40 tables, we can have them not all exactly the same, but undulate a little bit through the room. Okay. So they're not supposed to be all the same. Right. right. Like sometimes if it's more than 20 tables or even if it's more than 15 tables, we say, let's, maybe we do two shades of the same color. Maybe we do some flowers taller than others that are lower, you know, something like that. There's so much to think about. I know my head's spinning too. What, what haven't we touched? All right. So lighting, linens. Well, there's food design too. You know, the caterers are so creative. I mean, they went from first course, second course, third course is now like, is it going to be family style? Is, are those family style things taking up a lot of room on the table? When I do a sample and I know it's family style in any way, I ask for all of the pieces ahead of time, empty, of course, without the food, but of course. so I can put them on the table and say, this is how much room we have left for your first look, because the food isn't out sitting there when they get there. Of course. Um, and uh, they usually say, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> the flower's <laughs> going to go. So, you know, it's kind of a battle, but, but the caterers come up with so many creative things. Like we're building, you know, an ice cream card and a cotton candy card and a candy store filled with, you know, panels covered in different fabric, you know, for a, a bar mitzvah. And that's what we, I mean. Whose idea is that? Whose well, purview does it come under? The planner, the designer? Sometimes the kid dictates it. I want a candy store. I want this and this. And then the kid. Oh, is, wow. Okay. We can do 
wonderful cotton candy, you know, and I say, well, why don't we make it more fun and put it on something that can roll around so we can bring it to different people if they're going to be in different pods or they're going to be, you know, in lounge. Oh, like on a cart. A cart. Or we say, you know what? We, I was just at the uh, Hilton and Pearl River and there's like a nook. At the oh, end I know. Of Jerry Burns. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, I said, you know, we don't need this nook. There's so much space. You know, why don't we put it here and surprise people later and we'll swag back the fabric and there will be this whole candy store of um, COVID friendly little bags that you can pull off, you know. Oh, kind of like standing in the space. You sometimes come up with an idea. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh the bride or the kid or whoever will dictate it. And sometimes the caterer will, will really, a lot of times they're doing wild things with food these days. Yeah, you started talking about tablescapes and, and, you know and food and presentation. And Yeah, so the food itself is very creative and needs to be on specific vessels to shine, right? And, and, and that even matters, like if someone says to me, I love this kind of charger. And I say, well, what's your first course? Because if it's a soup, and you have this 13 inch giant charger and you put down even a wide suit. It'd be lost. It looks funny. Or is it a trio of beautiful tasting ceviches, which I've seen and like in a long rectangle and I have like a round plate and the thing is woggle woggle and it's making a weird noise because it doesn't quite fit onto the plate. (laughs) Waiter can't get more than one without, you know. Then we need to adjust and say, let's not do a charger. Let's take the beautiful napkin and put it up on a rectangular fold and have the first course go uh, perpendicular to the napkin and it'll look really edgy and cool you know so oh, yeah okay. it's all it's all like that and it, if they met with let's say um by the way for those of you who don't live in new york that sound that you hear is oh police sirens welcome to manhattan yep around broadway here um Sorry about that. Even with the window shut, it's kind no. Of it's okay. I just wanted to explain it because sometimes I hear dogs barking and. No, no, no. So the uh, team, if you will, usually meets all together and and ideas while we're walking in this beautiful venue, wherever it may be, or sitting at a table talking about a tent. We're all throwing out things. Who is the team? The team is the planner, if there is one, the caterer, the photographer the lighting designer, if we've already known, sometimes the lighting designer comes later on the second meeting, second team mm-hmm. meeting. Sometimes it's the music. Depends on when we have this meeting, like how who's hired at the time, but mm-hmm. it's, it's usually at least the venue director, the planner, the caterer, and the event designer. Not the lighting guy yet. Not always, because a lot of times the lighting person, they're through the venue, so the venue can speak a little bit for them. Okay. You don't want to overwhelm the client. It gets a lot. Right. And sometimes it's, it's not even like a sit down, like we're going at it thing that might be without the client, but it's, it's just so ideas can organically come out because mm-hmm. that does help. You know, sometimes you're just, you're thinking, well, why are we going to the site visit? We're doing this whole thing in a tent. We can just talk about it. You know, going to the land, I might say, you know, have you seen that incredible tree? Like, can we actually move the ceremony over to that? Oh, okay. Too long a walk to be able to come around this side. And they say, yeah, but we were putting the kitchen over there. So the sanitation area is over there. So no one can walk really by that. And say, okay, great. We can't do that. So, all right. Well, what about over here? Well, the sound is really bad facing in this direction because the room like whips this way. Let, let's turn everything this way. 
you know, that kind of thing. So, okay. So that you wouldn't know unless you did a site visit. Right. Right. Okay. So I just did a site visit in the Hamptons and it, it was interesting because we'd all been looking at these aerial photos of the property and we all had the specs of the property. Well, but what we didn't realize was everybody had to enter on one side or the other. And what was going to happen on one side was, you know, an air conditioning fence. And the other side was you, you couldn't get past this one fence. You know, like it was like there was little <laughs> details that you really couldn't tell until you were standing there. And so we built this really cool idea of hedges that would go around the air conditioning vents and we'd place little shelves on them and put the cards so you could pick up your card and see something beautiful and then enter this really gorgeous property you know so it, you know it's a thing that kind of happened organically while we were standing there like oh why don't we just do this and that wouldn't have happened if we were just and is the is the client always there or no not necessarily um most times the client's there at some point but sometimes no sometimes we wait till we iron out all the ideas and then we present it to the client depending on how busy or how far away they are or how involved they want to be it's really sometimes it's the planner's call sometimes the call of the client himself so people aren't paying you are, the one thing that i always tell every single person when they come on i don't know if i mentioned this to you is that i never talk price ever mm-hmm. but that are people paying you for your in other words you know what i'm trying to get at well, I think what you're saying is you do all this work and not get paid sometimes. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, I've had discussions. This is, like, again, for example, if someone says to me, can you learn these half a dozen songs? It's, you know, it's never a problem, but they don't know the, all the details, but the backup singers have to know the backup parts. The singers have to learn the lyrics. The musicians have to learn the feel of the song. There's a lot involved. So it's not like what I'm saying is that I don't charge the client by that. Metric. I mean, there is, there's no way to quantify that. It's not like a lawyer or an accountant. You can't say, well, this is going to take X amount of hours and I'll bill you at the end. Right. So how does a number come about? Uh, that's an excellent, excellent idea. Like for us, um, I mean, uh, excellent question. Sorry. The, the hardest thing we have to justify is our time for you too. Right. So yeah. I don't think that people know the inner workings, let's call it the St. Regis at New York hotel. No, it's backwards and forwards. Backwards and forwards. So, you know, the drama of first you're on 55th street in your midtown Manhattan, and you have to have everyone in your group must go through a security desk. I can't even imagine what's happening now with COVID. Oh, I can't imagine now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pre COVID, you got to go to the desk. Pre nine 11. It was a pain. Pre nine 11. Right. Then there was more security. And then (laughs) now you have to, first of all, you have to factor in two tickets per vehicle per day. No, no problem. Right. That, that already is going to cost you 400 bucks just, you know, off the top because there's no way around that. You're going to, you can't not double park and unload. You can't not get it. You know, it's just impossible. So you have to go in, you have to get some security. You have to get like, let's say you have 11 people. You now have to unload your product onto the street, which is 55th street. Mm -hmm. Very busy midtown, very pretty street beautiful front of the hotel. So we're talking all the, like the plaza, the pier, the, the everyone are all in the same area. The same region is the most difficult because the plaza has like an area to kind of tuck off onto the yeah, side. Yeah, that's a true. Bit, a yeah. Left. The, the peninsula is also a nightmare, but like, so call right. it 55th street. Okay. I remember this because my father worked one day. He said, can I come with you and check it out? Oh, and nice. he almost had like a breakdown. He was like holding the elevator, like this is her turn. You know? So now the <laughs> elevator, so now the first elevator is a very large, you get deceived. Oh, great. We're loading into this big elevator. What you first or second? 
Sorry, my my daughter's computer just shut off at like forty five percent. That's so funny. I was literally texting you saying you froze. I know. I, I mean, <laughs> it's black. I don't know what happened. Okay, so this is my phone. But anyways, where was I? The same region. So we're loading in, and we get we get deceived. It's a very big elevator. Seven of us can fit with a bunch of stuff. Boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden, we realize it goes down one flight. That's it. Boom. We unload the big elevator and we snake around this skinny, crowded hallway filled with old beds, side tables, crates of seltzer water, like anything you can imagine a hotel being like, where do we do put this shit? <laughs> we'll stick it over in the, you know, between C and, yeah. and street level and C. Then we go around this bend and we have two personal small elevators that we wait for. Now we have to get HOPA stanchions, cabling, Remember, I know these elevators. Very, oh, I know. Very well. And I can, a drum kit has to also <laughs> now. And then it got to be with yeah. vignettes of furniture. We need a couch. We have a, a frame, to, you know, all the escort names and anything you can imagine in this elevator. Right. But not only are we getting in the elevator, we're sharing it with all the personal butlers that the beautiful St. Regis has for the suites. And the, <laughs> so now they're coming down with a, a tray. They might have a, they need more linen. So, we, you know, by the time you get everything in there, I've loaded in there sometimes 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. just getting in. You know, sometimes we ask them, can you take the day before if it's a big enough event? You know, can we load in the middle of the night? We'll do anything not to be, you know, strapped for time. And then we get rushed. inside. Not to be rushed. Right. Yeah, there's nothing worse than being rushed, rushed the day of the. Does it have to go to the second floor for the ceremony and the cocktails and the 20th floor? And then does it have to get moved? <laughs> oh, can we use that again? Oh, sure. We'll put it back in the elevator, go through the kitchen and go down. We'll move it now from the ceremony and back up to dinner while everyone's in cocktails and not in front of them because we'll sneak through the kitchen where everybody's pissed off because they got to go in front of all these guys with beautiful things, gorgeous white gloves and, you know, make it, you know, so there's, oh yes, we'll just use it. We'll just stay for two hours extra and we'll move it upstairs so you can save money on it and not have to make it again, which I also recommend, but it does take extra labor, extra time, extra waiting. And where do they wait? They wait in a closet. They wait in the truck. They wait outside. They wait in the back room. If it's the Essex house, everybody waits in a closet with all the tables and the dance floor pieces and nobody can talk. And then they have the ceremony and then they go into another room and everybody bursts out like a clown car. The dance floor gets laid down (laughs) and then the band stand gets laid down. Then the band can set up and then Everybody, you know, I mean, nothing can be set up ahead of time. You got the centerpieces. Then we put the vel- the candles. Are the candles straight? Are they going to be lit? And we have one hour and we've done it, but we have to have extra labor. Wow. So now I know I say, okay, well, if it's the Essex house, it costs an extra X amount of money because why? Because I need to have seven extra people for that one hour to move everything very quickly. So these are yeah. things that are hard to justify. You know, basically it's a 25% of everything we do we add on for labor and setup and removal at 1 a.m. After they've worked at 5 a.m. to load in, everybody gets to go back and take everything. Well, not the same crew sometimes, but sometimes a lot of them are the same. Right. Take it all down. Do they have a name? Is that the is that the sanitation crew? What are they? Uh, the strike. They a, the strike crew. The strike, like a Broadway. Yeah, except they're not. Broadway they're Street. not a union like Broadway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not taking this down completely. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's hard to justify. When you hand the proposal to someone and it's a, let's say it's a $700 centerpiece, that 25% on that is going to be, and it's not, I'm charging you to make it necessarily. It's, I got to box it, carry it, put tissue around it, bring it upstairs, fix it, add the drapey, beautiful stuff hanging from it, 
put it back, take it down, dispose of it, rework it, give it to a donation to, uh, you know, a senior citizen home on Monday, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. whew, and uh, just even saying it gets me all worked up, but it's, um, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, no, I love the fact that you're so passionate about it. It's so great. Well, I mean, it's I feel so many pieces of it. And if you, if you stop thinking about the actual pieces, you sell yourself short, you know, cause it's something may not go smoothly, you know? So all the details of the setup, it's in meetings upon meetings on who's going where, who's doing what part of it. How do we pack these things up? What can we do at the place? Do we not want to bring in extra buckets? That's why we do stuff in advance and pay extra for refrigeration and extra care to make sure that things can be done and then transported. That means more trucks, more trucks with refrigeration. That's assuming that nothing goes wrong. Right. Right. I mean, my car was booted in front of the store <laughs> while I was loading just the few bouquets into my car. So I would have them in my sight driving up to Blue Hill. And I, I was screaming so much at the police that two of my guys had to literally like hold on to me and stop it, stop it, hold stop it, back. hold me back. And I'm like, I curse you, you know, <laughs> it's like, it was like, I was so upset. I'm like, when your daughter gets married, you know. <laughs> I was like, what are you saying? I'm like, you just wait <laughs> because it could throw you off, you know, into a tailspin. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know. I mean, if everything goes perfect. Yeah. When someone says, when do you want to load in? I always say, when is the earliest moment that I can load in? Oh, that's so funny. I say the same thing. Yeah. People say, Major D say to me, you're in a tux, you've sound checked, everything's set and you're sitting here reading a book two hours early. Why? Oh, that's the best. That's the best. Look. And I said, because then I get to watch what else running around. And that's honestly, it's such a luxury to be in and have a lunch with my crew and say, here's what we got left to do. We're really ahead of schedule. I know you're tired, but we're so in the home stretch uh, rather yeah. than like eat standing next to a ladder, a piece of pizza in rotation because we got, you know, we, I mean, a, a New York City parade can throw you off. I remember I went blind in my right eye one Veterans Day try, trying to get to it, you know, 25 years ago, 23 years ago. That's another thing. It's, it's funny. One, one of my favorite people I've had on was Bill Spinner. Oh, yeah. From the, yeah, from the Pierre. And, and he said, I know when every single, because he's right on. Oh, I know every parade, every parade. He says, I know every parade. Well, now there's apps, but yes. <laughs> I Listen, I've been, I've talked to musicians and, my singer would show up, he lived up, up in Harlem and I got to a gig like three hours early and he shows up like two hours early. And it's like singers are like notorious for if they're early, they'll be a half hour early. You know, right. that's super. Early. Right. And he was there two hours early. I said, Keith, what's up? And he goes, Puerto Rican day parade. Oh yeah. If, if I didn't leave at 10 o'clock in the morning, I would never get him. Okay. You'd have to airlift me. I actually, one year of the Puerto Rican day parade, I carried all of the centerpieces by hand across the park to an apartment of one of the designers who lived on the east side because we were on the west side. I knew we weren't because the year before I had seen it and I said, I know we're not going to be able to cross the park tomorrow just to have everything over there to start. It was like, it, I became like obsessed. Like, let's just, let's just get everything across now. Like we're here. We can play. Can you top this? You ready? Yeah. I used to do parties for McKinsey and company, mm-hmm. all these corporate parties. And they would always have it in a high-end New York place on the first, I forgot exactly what it was. It was like the first Wednesday in December. Mm-hmm. Oh, the tree lighting. Thank you. Oh. 
this year they decided that they were going to have it at windows in the tree light. So it occurred to me like a week before. We, this is why I'm saying everything has to be done before. And I said, can, can you and I get on the phone with the non-emergency police department or something so that we can figure out a way that you know the drummer can't carry his equipment they can't park on eighth avenue walk you know my god you know five avenues you know so we actually did the non-emergency police wow if you don't call 911 they don't think you're a pain in the ass Hmm. and you say i'm just a hard-working musician and you know here are these four license plates and here are these four cars we're going to be coming in at rocks you know 440 could you just let us through that thing and then we'll be gone. And they did. They gave you a permit for that. And they did. Yeah. Wow. And they let us do that. Hey, I learned something yeah. new. Good t- tidbit. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, I've, I've woken up in a cold sweat many a time thinking how is this going to go down? But that's part of the logistical fee. You know? you know, I think it's anybody that lives in a city. Like like if something is up in Westchester and, and you know that there's a Yankee game. Right. So the, the Deegan is closed yep. from four o'clock to eight o'clock. Yep. So, you know, you got to leave way early or yeah. just take a different route. Oh my God. The LIE, I, I see it in my dreams and my nightmares. I'm happy to go the night before and sit in the trucks the rest of the night. And <laughs> I have a thing with my partner because he, he doesn't see the value always in that. And I say, well, how much does it cost to repair your stomach lining when it's been eaten away by your own self? Right. When you're going eight miles an hour on, and you're still at exit or, 60, yeah, and, and you haven't even hit Sunrise Highway. Oh my God, I can't even, yeah. But So what haven't you done that you'd like to do? What haven't I done? Um, I have done quite a bit of international events, and I'd like to do more. We started doing some like in the Caribbean, and you know, we've always traveled to you know the Hamptons and Nantucket and the Vineyard and places like that. No, but I'm talking flying, right, like right. Lake Como. Yeah, you know, so we're Como. doing one in Lake Como next May. We we did a few in Italy so far. My partner is Italian, and he's my brother-in-law also. So that is a bonus for us because he we can communicate with people and rent. That's Marco. Yeah. Would you like to know what's on the first page of your landing page when you type in StoneKelly.com? Stone Kelly is a family business, brother and sister-in-laws, Jennifer Stone and Marco Olney formed the perfect yin-yang partnership with Jen's background in fine art and Italian-born Marcos in fashion and business. It's a long sentence. That's Yeah, that's a big, a big sentence, but it sums up. <laughs> He's married to my sister who also works for us now and has in the past from the beginning. She took some time off, but she's really always been with us. And my other sister is also a florist and works for us off and on and works for other florists also. And oh, so it really is a family yeah, business. And my parents even have made guest appearances on different weddings, depending on where they are. And it's, it's, it's actually my favorite part of the business, to be honest, that and going to the actual market I love. But the international part is so exciting because there's so much more that goes into the pre-planning because of, you know, getting to know the purveyors, what it, you, if you showed up in, let's say Antigua, you, you need to know that you're going to pay hundred percent tax on whatever product, whatever they decide, that's the tax that you're going to pay. You know, it's no question that. <laughs> uh, so you got to be prepared. Um, you have to, you know, have certain flowers in Mexico are not actually allowed. Like you can get flowers from Holland, but not flowers from X, Y, Z. You know, I, I can't remember what the rules are, but there are rules in every place. So there's a lot of pre 
learning the learning curve. And um, we did a wedding with um, another production designer. We did the we did the flowers, and sometimes we'll go and do a tutorial, like we do a book ahead of time with all the specs and the design, and then we show up and we work with a team, like say in Istanbul, with like twelve designers and their head people. And the, you know, when you show up, you say, "Okay, where are the flowers that we ordered?" And these are the flowers that arrived. It's like okay, that's a little different, but we'll make it work. And we're going to get this kind of look and, um, and we, you know, make the recipe and the prototype and we use Google Translate and it's so exciting. It's so exciting to go into a new place. And um, okay, so there's no air conditioning here. Okay, so let's say we, you know, where's the coolest place and when, how late can we put out the flowers when, because it's 105 degrees. You know? So basically it's just an adventure. But once you get there and you're in the groove with it, you're not, like in New York, I feel like there's just all these things going on and it's like a bombardment and you're still approachable. People are still calling you. Your phone still works. You're, you know, you're, you're working on three other things at the same time. And, and, you know, when you go away and you're in another time zone and, and you're, you're very focused and you have to deal with whatever has arrived and you can't be running back down to the market or whatever, you know, it's, it's very, you're in the moment so much and it's very exciting. And then you can enjoy it. It's like field work. Yeah. Like, you know, the pre-work or whatever you call it, the uh, research pays off, I guess. You know, when you do a site inspection in a place like that, I always look around like worst case scenario, if the stuff just doesn't come, you know, you pay out the fee, you do the customs, you know, this and that and the other thing, what happens? What's growing? Like, I always look around, okay, we've got Bougainvillea, we've got... Um, we've got beautiful grape leaf leaves we've got there like what can we use if in fact because I think when you're on a destination wedding it's really like okay what's your backup plan to look at the uh, most difficult scenario like if you ship flowers and they arrive and it's 85 degrees and they haven't cleared customs and by the time you get them they're dead let's say or if they don't if they come but somebody dropped the box off the back of the truck and the vases that the candles are going in are shattered uh, <laughs> or you show up and they've reconfigured the tables and linens you have gone over like three or four times somebody decided nope our tables oh you know what they're actually not 36 inches wide they're 48 inches wide and these are fitted oh. custom beautiful yeah, linens you know and then you might say it over and over again you might you send papers and emails and at that point it doesn't matter somebody screwed up and you're going to pay the price right. and you got to figure it out now and you can't point yeah. finger you got to deal with it so what do you do well do you have any other tables in the house do you have the you know can we cut these can we slice it up the middle and move it and you know so to be able to act in the moment um it's a, there's an adrenaline rush um and then you know the most beautiful part of our business and you may feel this way too is it like it happens and then it's over so you've got to make yeah. the most fabulous decision the best decision you can make for that exact time and to make that person still feel so excited and so happy and such beauty has been brought to the table and they don't know the panic or that somebody stole everything out of the back room when you weren't looking and you you know you thought the lock was good but they broke it with a knife you know and you know whatever i mean you're like how do you how do you move forward you know well, Jen, I cannot thank you enough. You are a treasure trove of information. It's really sweet. This is really great. I'm serious. Yeah, I appreciate it. Can't wait to work together again Me someday. Me too. I'll see you at the St. Regis. All right, I hope so. Not in the elevator, of course, but upstairs. Really. Well, thank you, uh, Doug. I really... Uh... There's so much information, I swear to God. This might be a two-parter. I look forward to it. 
If you missed part one of our conversation, which make sure you catch up by downloading episode 96 of the Wedding Wisdom Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you are subscribed. Thank you once again for being a part of our family here. Stay safe, stay strong, keep getting those shots. So I can see you back on the dance floor really soon. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye now.